Hi everyone, this is Working Title, the podcast where we, four intrepid, handsome, intelligent, and entirely fraudulent reviewers, watch and review IMDb's top 250 English language movies as of November 2019, going from bottom to top. So watch along with us, and... Just looking at you, film. I gotta turn it down. It's picking you guys up a little bit. Your fucking headphones in. It shouldn't pick anybody up. Yeah, with with all the headphones I have. Why why don't you have headphones? Talk about headphones like there's something that's like a commodity. Like why don't you have headphones? What? No, I don't have headphones. Okay. Shane, do I need to mail you some like iPod headphones? They're free. Just give me a fuck. God damn it. All right, well, uh, welcome to this week's episode of Working Title, where we're reviewing the 1941 classic, The Maltese Falcon. We're going to talk about this movie a bit tonight, but before we do, let's all introduce ourselves. June, do you want to start us off and tell us who you are? Yeah, hi, my name's June. Uh, My claim to fame is having met uh, star NBA power forward Carl Malone's teammate Greg Ostertag. (laughs) That's nice. That's it. Shane, do you want to tell us about yourself? (laughs) I am Shane, and not only did I discover that Jack Nicholson is an incredible actor, but apparently a hell of a golfer. I didn't know. Nice. (laughs) And Mike. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, my name is Mike, and I do not want to do this movie. (laughs) (laughs) And I'll tell you about myself. Mom, Jack, and I could not be more excited to do this movie. I think it's an excellent one and one of the best we've seen so far. Um, so with that said, just to tell you a little bit about the movie again, as we said, 1941, uh, this is a Humphrey Bogart movie and one of the, uh, call it uh, exemplar of film noir. Direction scripted by John Huston based on a book of the same name. Uh, I think we said Humphrey Bogart already. He's kind of a big deal, so I hear. Um, Generally very well regarded by the people of IMBD, which is why we're discussing it today. So before we start discussing in-depth, Mike, do you want to tell us what happens in this movie? Sure. Actually, I didn't, I didn't know this is based on a book again. Really? Yeah, it's actually pretty common for movies to be based on books. It's news to me. Anyways, this movie is, a, <laughs> like you said, a film noir. Um, it is about, a, I guess, a, a duo who own a detective company. Um, do you know what city it's in? San Francisco. San Fran. San Francisco. There's a big bridge. So it's very classic film noir. We have a femme fatale. She shows up and uh, has a case to find her sister who has gone missing. And in this process of Humpy Bogart and his partner, um, we have Spade and Archer, and their detective agency, ends up having this murder where uh, Archer dies, uh, Spade's partner. And, you know, Spade is this, you know, no nonsense, doesn't give a shit about you know, his his partners or anybody else, he's very, uh, I guess, in the description of his character, a no-nonsense no nonsense detective, uh, starts to pursue this murder and find out what happened to his partner and this lady who's looking for her sister. So that's kind of like the intro. It goes into uh, a lot of going back and forth to the actual office itself, uh, which we'll go into a little bit later. I think about 15 times we go back to the office. Uh, but yeah, really classic film noir. Yeah, definitely a good one. Um, so I guess just starting from there in the intro, what do you all think of this one? Either general thoughts or thoughts of the intro. What, what are your opinions, guys? 
So Archer dies because Bridget shows up, right? Yeah, O'Shaughnessy. Yeah, so she shows up at the beginning, right? Yes. She she wants a guy tailed. Uh, That's right. And then Archer tries to help out, and then he gets shot. Yes, that's right. Yes. Archer shows up, and then he gets shot. (laughs) That's a a great breakdown of that whole scene. He's not in a lot of the movie. He doesn't just get shot. There's a whole scene of him, like, stupidly smiling and being like, hey, and then suddenly, like, a gun shows up, and he gets fucking shot. (laughs) You know, that actor got paid for this movie. <laughs> these are these are detectives. You know what makes that even more egregious is that we don't even get paid for this. <laughs> so let's uh, want, do you want to carry the plot for a little bit and let, well, give us some? You know, I I could also put in my my two cents. You know, I'm part of this too. Oh, I try to forget. <laughs> you know what? I don't want to now. Just yeah, let's, okay. let's just advance. Fine, tell us, Shane. I didn't like it. Okay. I didn't like this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, I'll, I'll carry the plot a little bit more. Alright, so Archer gets shot. We don't know by who, though. It's kind of a mystery. All we see is a scene where uh, a, you know, a, a phantom gun comes forward, and we go into this story of the Maltese Falcon, which is, as it's introduced at the very beginning of the film, an ancient uh, idol that has been passed down from the Knights Templars. Uh, it's, you know, it's it's covered in jewels and has disappeared through time and history and uh, this group of thieves have discovered this falcon and have stolen it uh, they, they've been hired by a, a a criminal lord you know it doesn't really explain much what he is he's kind of a don and something went south and now we have uh, spade this detective who has now been involved in this conspiracy kind of heist and he is uh, trying to figure out the the plot of their their criminal activity, and that's really the kind of the basis of the film. A lot of plot turns, a lot of uh, betrayals, um, just a general outlay of what happens in this movie. Yeah, I like to point out that his synopsis, which is perfect, and took about what six minutes tops. Um, that's about two hours in in the movie. Mike definitely did not talk for six minutes just now. Yeah, you've uh, <laughs> you're experiencing some pretty gnarly time dilation there, Shane. This movie was also not two hours. How long was this movie? It's one hundred minutes. That is ninety minutes too long. So back to Spade and Archer. What kind of detective private eye agency are these dudes running? Uh, Miss. O'Shaughnessy, under a false name, comes up and asks to investigate somebody. To like, she makes up some story about her sister, how she needs to like find this guy who her sister's shacked up with, and have her sister return home to New York. To which Spade replies, like, "Oh, like we'll find him, and uh, if he doesn't want to come back, we have ways of dealing with that." What What does that even mean? <laughs> <laughs> you can't. You can't just do that. <laughs> I mean, in 1940, maybe you could have. That was kind of like the the whole thing with detective agencies, right? Like the Pinkertons would go shoot up uh, strikers. I'm pretty sure these guys could like put some pool balls in the sock and convince this guy or something. Yeah, Pinkertons, uh, Spade and Archer, uh, the Gestapo, same thing. <laughs> <laughs> the Gestapo. <laughs> 
during during the opening credits, I it said it said uh, fifteen thirty nine is when like the story of the Maltese Falcon happened. I had misread that as nineteen thirty nine, and I was like, wow, there were Knights Templars in nineteen thirty nine. Like that's amazing. <laughs> Charles the fifth and pirates. They were talking about that. like pirates seized it. I was like, damn, there were pirates around. Like World War Two was about to happen. They still had pirates. That's pretty amazing. I didn't know that shit. Well, you know what they say, in, in 1942, Columbus sailed the ocean blue. <laughs> <laughs> Carry this a little forward, Mike. Tell us about what kind of happens after this, where the where the plot takes us. So this movie jumps around a lot. I think we go back to the, uh, the detective agency about 15 to 20 times throughout the film, so it's really hard to kind of pin it down with chronological order. Um, but I guess, like, the basic idea of this plot is... Spade, after his partner dies, is now trying to figure out what's actually going on. And he's definitely presented as this, like, very intelligent guy. He kind of, like, knows what's happening. He's he's very savvy and is playing everybody else for a fool. Uh, but we go into uh, this whole intricate plot where, you know, the, the what's her name? The Bridget or the femme fatale. She's actually mixed up in this whole... Um, heist scheme to get the Maltese Falcon. They've stolen it for this guy called uh, the Fat Man or some <laughs> some James Bond-esque <laughs> villain name. <laughs> where It's definitely on the nose. <laughs> oh, this guy, his actual name is... Um, Gutman, I think. Gutman, but then he's like an actual fat dude. So definitely on the nose. Oh, I definitely missed that. You, huh. didn't, you missed it? You missed the Gutman? Yeah. I couldn't tell you anyone's name in this movie. That's how... <laughs> I care about these goddamn characters. So they actually do call him like his code name is the Fat Man, and then his actual like birth certificate name is Gutman. So we know Bridget's implicated somehow in this Falcon plot, mm-hmm. and then he meets uh, Joel Cairo, right? Ooh, who's probably my scene. favorite character. Oh yeah. The only time I like legitimately laughed in this movie was Cairo comes to spade's office uh asking offering him five grand to to find the bird and then uh he pulls a gun on him to which spade karate chops it out of his hand or whatever (laughs) and knocks him out and then he comes to then they go right back into their discussion of like their business dealings and he at one point he's like at the end he's like can i have my gun back and he's like, sure. He gives him his gun back, and then he pulls it on him again. And I died laughing. That was that was a good scene. That was pretty funny. You know what I loved about that scene was Cairo put a glove on like, to assume he was gonna like you know murder him, but it's on the hand that isn't holding the gun. It's on like the off hand. <laughs> he still has his fingerprints on the actual gun. Also, for a movie with three sets, it is really hard to understand where we are in the story. They really wanted you to know that they had all three sets. <laughs> yeah, let's let's take a second and enumerate the sets. Uh, we have the office, one. We have the apartment, two. Then we have uh, Gutman's apartment. And uh, hotel lobby and empty lot. Yeah, yeah, I'd say that's that's everything. Yep, and all of those occurred more than once. Oh, yeah. My... My last input is uh, the criminals made a little sense to me because they want the Maltese Falcon. Spade wants money, I guess, but he's had multiple opportunities to make instant cash in which he just keeps pushing it aside and then gets 
no money i i think i don't know now that i think about it i think his motivation is to just get more money because uh o'shaughnessy offers what a couple hundred or whatever yeah like a thousand yeah 500 out of our pocket yeah and then joel cairo offers him five grand uh and he's starting to realize like these two things are connected i guess and now he's like oh what is it actually worth which he finds out later i just picture like people who fancy themselves legitimate critics or like film graduates like like june here are just like boiling at our conversation if they're listening and they're wrong this movie is just awful yeah i want to i want to present another another view of this i like this movie i thought it was pretty good what i did i'm gonna I have to this movie. disagree with you there <laughs> okay so one interesting point when he finally goes to see uh the fat man this is where it gets interesting because we see his weird man child assistant wilmer who <laughs> yes. is george from the killing oh my god was he yeah what that's where i recognized him from yep instantly i was like that's that dude and he's playing just as weird of a role. The guy that Humphrey Bogart keeps disarming? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. He's like the fat man's like assistant. That was uh that was the same actor as uh George. Yeah, that was kind of entertaining. I mean, and sad that this guy's supposed to be some badass and Humphrey Bogart just keeps taking his gun from him and So I I guess here's the here's part of the futility of this movie. They all want him to uh they want spade to help find the falcon but nobody tells him anything it's like it's a black bird (laughs) fucking find it and i'll give you a lot of money (laughs) so i can understand like why he keeps digging you know and going to different places and talking to talking to everybody involved to try to get everything because nobody's telling him he's like you know he he can only detective so much yeah and on that note with her and him, every time they would talk, they'd take two plot steps forward and five backwards because she would contradict. Or you're like, oh, okay, we're going to get something. And then it'd be like, oh, no, I was lying. And like that shtick happened like four times. <laughs> I mean, it's just the character dynamic. I, I get it, but like it just kept going. So I kept feeling like we were just moving through like mud. Through this movie. What do you think, Mike? (laughs) (laughs) So, I thought that the, the, uh, (laughs) I thought that this movie, uh, definitely took a lot of, like, turns that were unnecessary, but I thought the actual plot of it was actually pretty good. Yeah, um, can we recap what the actual path of the Falcon was? Oh, let's let's yarn this one. Well, the year was 1939, <laughs> <laughs> and there were pirates that uh, ended up stealing the, from the Knights Templar, who still existed. They got lost after the Crusades, uh, but this Falcon ended up becoming um, covered in, I guess, enamel. It's enamel is what they uh, call it. So it ends up going through a couple of um, art exhibits and collectors. And gets really lost in history until finally uh, the fat man, Gutman, finds this 
Falcon, and he's owned by, I think it's like a collector has it, and he decides to try to like steal it from his house because he realizes this guy doesn't know what it is. So he hires these these group of bandits, which is uh, Brigid and Thursby and Cairo, to sneak into this guy's house and steal it so they can, you know, make millions of dollars on this Falcon. Um, Jesus Christ. <laughs> so that's really the, the, the kind of the story behind it is it's been lost for hundreds of years and it's shown up here and there and he eventually finds it. He's, you know, he's lost his mind. The fat man's lost his mind kind of searching for this Falcon his entire life and uh, they end up stealing it and bringing it to San Francisco betraying the fat man where spade ends up getting involved and discovering this whole plot behind it all so it was i i can't even remember now was it cairo that brought it over she betrayed cairo and thursby <laughs> it was it was brigid cairo and thursby all three of them decided to betray the fat man and ended up keeping it for themselves so they they snuck it on on a boat where then the fat man with his hired gun, who is, you know, the pathetic guy that keeps getting his ass knocked out, goes and tries to take it back from them. And that's where it becomes that's uh, right. That's right. into the possession of uh, of Spade at the very end. Where really we come to the end. You guys were talking about Spade, like, doing it for money and stuff, you, but that's completely wrong. It ends up turning out that Spade is doing it because he's actually a good detective like he actually turns down all he turns he gives everything to the cops at the end he gives them the money he turns in brigid like he really just and he even says like i'm gonna play a bad guy so that people trust me so then i can be a good guy so it's really a movie of like 18 double crossings from Gutman and crew trying to double cross this collector. It was like a Russian general or collector or something. To the three of them deciding to betray Gutman. To the three of them turning on each other. To uh, Spade getting involved. Then kind of playing them. And then they all kind of betray each other on and off throughout the course of the movie. So I thought it was pretty intricate and pretty good. I definitely had my brain kind of engaged or as engaged as my brain could be last night. I guess I do like the end and the idea of like no one really wins. It's kind of like it was all futile. It was this big song and dance for no it was much to ado much ado about nothing. You, you know you know really what I'm confused about is like Spade's life must be amazing that like this crazy story is happening. He kind of like nonchalantly just like yep another Tuesday let's fucking do this. <laughs> Yeah, he uh, he definitely. I I could not get a read on him though. I wonder if before we we dive too far into it, Mike, do you want to just kind of tell us how it it wraps up? We've kind of referenced it, um, maybe from you know roughly the point where the fat man comes in to how it ends. So they end up in the uh, apartment of Spade. Uh, Brigitte's there, and we have the entire crew. Cairo, uh, Thursby's gone. He's dead by now. Uh, we have the fat man and and his henchmen, and they have brought uh, the Falcon in a wrapped up newspaper. Where we're now in the apartment, the the fat man is is holding everybody hostage with a gun, and Spade ends up convincing them all that somebody needs to take the fall for this crime to go over, so everybody can like make a profit off of this. Uh, so we have this strange scene where everybody turns on uh, the the kid who. 
what's his what's the guy's wilmer. name like i don't remember wilmer, wilmer. Yeah. so Robert. they turn on wilmer and they have to like they have to have somebody to sell out um but the conclusion of this is is they open up the paper and this falcon the maltese falcon ends up being just a hunk of lead it's not even the real falcon and the fat man kind of loses his shit and he says all right we'll go back and we'll find the real one and they leave and uh spade calls the police turns everybody in brigid ends up being turned in as well and spade just kind of sells everybody out turns in all the money and the bribes that he's gone through the whole thing and at the very end he's the only one that comes out ahead like his partner's dead everybody's gone to jail the girlfriend the fen fatale like all sold out uh spade just kind of walks away from it all with with really nothing in hand but i guess his conscience it's you know very uh i guess surprising ending like it doesn't make any sense that that would end up being the ending but he doesn't sell himself short also okay. that's a that's a lot of lead like that's that's really dangerous <laughs> yeah that's uh that's not healthy though i want i want to say like it was kind of i don't know what to think of sam spade because he seems like both cocky but also vulnerable in a weird kind of way where he at least plays it like he does love uh bridget or o'shaughnessy or whatever she goes by and like when he gets her to confess that she killed miles archer his partner at the end it's like super emotional and he's like i really did love you but when you get out of jail in 20 years, I'll be here. But I'm still turning you in. <laughs> I couldn't get a read on like what his character like actually felt internally because he also put on a lot of acts throughout the movie. I mean, I, yeah, you say that, but like he says like his big speech is he did it out of uh, revenge for his partner. That's like why he did it. But as soon as his partner died, he was sleeping with his partner's wife and immediately <laughs> scratched his name off the door and just like, send it just a spade. Like, really? You did it for your partner? Like, I don't, I don't know, man. Like, I think oh, he did it, it for was you. Disturbing. The, guy, the body was still warm and he was scraping his name off the front door and telling his wife to stop calling him. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, on, on that recap, I want to know. So we've already gone through a very long twist and turn of like how they're going to find this falcon, how they did find the falcon, how it got lost, etc. How did Sam get the falcon? It was just some random dude on a boat who just had it? No, so... The, the Russian in Turkey had it. No, well, I... You guys didn't even watch this damn movie. <laughs> am I the only, this might be the, only, the reason I'm the only one who likes it. So what happened is O'Shaughnessy and Thursby were in Hong Kong, right? And they had it in Hong Kong. Now, what O'Shaughnessy did was she gave it to a, a ship captain that she trusted. And he took it on by ship to San Francisco, and they went ahead. Now... She went back to the ship for it after Thursby died and like in the middle of this plot. And then the two of them went back to her apartment and got jumped and she got captured. And Wilmer shot the captain two or three times while it was coming down a fire escape. And somehow he still made it to uh, Sam Spade's office where he, 
he dropped it on the floor and then conveniently died on a couch. No, I mean, I understand that, but, like, why did... Obviously, then, O'Shaughnessy had the Falcon. It was just coming in the boat. Just had to wait a little. Yeah. Instead of starting this bullshit, like, going to this private detective, doing all this. She literally could have just sat there and twiddled her thumbs for four days, and it would have shown up, and she would have... No, she had to get rid of Thursby. Well, no, they... The whole detective agency got involved because she was trying to get somebody to either kill or frame Thursby. Yeah, so she got involved with the detectives before Thursby even died. And Thursby killed Archer. No, no she, she killed Archer. Brigid killed Archer. Go, go watch the fucking movie. <laughs> the, the movie you guys are describing sounds quite wonderful. <laughs> I mean, it's much better than the one I watched. We're going to take a 100-minute intermission. <laughs> All right, oh, so <laughs> does anyone have a point to make? Yes, I have a point. The final line of this movie is the stuff that dreams are made of. Again, a movie made off of a final line. Yeah, you're <laughs> not wrong. We're, what, three for three on movies made before 1960 with, like, someone thought of the line that made the movie around it? Yeah. I mean, that's what it is. The Maltese Falcon. It's the stuff that dreams are made of. Lead. <laughs> Man, you know, I'm not even sure how well that, like, line lines up with what happened in this movie. Like, it's, like, if this was, like, some kind of, an, like, I don't know, if it was really about the ambition of these people and, like, this desire or dream to get the Falcon, I'd buy it. But it's more about just, like, conniving and ambition. Like, you can make an argument for being it being correct, but it just seems jammed in. Yeah. All right, well, let's, uh... Do you have any final remarks to make before we we talk some trivia and wrap this up? I have I have one final remark. Like I have one final remark. Yep. So I love that Humphrey Bogart is just able to just like fucking karate himself through this entire film. Like he is just constantly just like hitting people on the shoulder, disarming dudes. Like he is the most badass guy I've ever seen. He never breaks a sweat. <laughs> throat punching disarming he has all the guns at one point like wilmer loses his gun three times to humphrey bogart like this dude is a karate master (laughs) no i i think well he loses two guns at one point to him i think it's pretty amusing because you know of course it's something you see in movies all the time but i think the the blocking and the quick cuts and everything now make it look a little more badass than it really is this one it's just like the the Wilmer walks slightly ahead of him, and he just pulls his coat around his arms. He pulls two guns out of his pockets. And it's like, it's it's the silliest fight. Um, he literally bullies Wilmer. He's always he got does. this, like, he's got this gro- goofy grin on his face all the whole time. He's like, yeah, I took your gun again. Yeah, it strongly reminded me of, like, a Ryan Reynolds-type grin, which is funny because... This would have been a completely different movie where Ryan Reynolds starring in it. Oh, man. Could you imagine? <laughs> you have any final remarks, June? Uh, I don't know. I, I, I wasn't... I wouldn't say I was the biggest fan of this movie. Um, I think stylistically, it was very good. Um, scene for scene, like each scene individually was entertaining. It was very good. Once you put them all together, though, it kind of gets really convoluted. Um, I don't think the delivery and or the pacing uh, was very good, which 
I don't know. I mean, it's I understand like the Maltese Falcon in itself is kind of kind of pointless, and maybe that's what the you know the movie was. But I I don't know. I didn't I didn't I didn't really enjoy myself that much. So I I want to say I strongly suspect that we're missing some pretty obvious symbolism here, <laughs> but we're not going to talk about it. <laughs> well. It's so the things, it's the stuff that dreams are made of. So let's uh, let's talk a little bit about how the movie did. So as we've mentioned, this is pretty much universally uh, critically acclaimed. Um, Rotten Tomatoes, I think, has it at like a hundred percent. I don't think there's a critic on the planet who um, does not like it, except so, for Shane. Yeah, besides Shane. I will take the title as the first critic to not like the Maltese Falcon. And um, so let's see. It brought in about a million dollars domestically on like a, I think 1.7 globally million on a $375,000 budget. So pretty pretty successful as well. Um, other actors or actresses, of course, Humphrey Bogart, we know has been in everything. We'll probably see him again somewhere on this list. Elijah Cook Jr. was, um, of course, in The Killing as well. And then Peter Lorre, um, or Joel Cairo, was uh, amusingly, was actually the first person to play Le Chiffre in a TV version of Casino Royale. So that was kind of amusing. Um, but yeah, beyond that, we can come to our, our favorite section where we all rank this movie amongst the other movies we've seen. So... Keep in mind the uh, the standings right now are a big fish for I think all of us, and then we we may disagree on whether the killing or touch of evil, uh, what order those two come in behind that. But with that said, uh, among the four movies we've watched, Shane, where do you put this one? Uh, all right. So I'll just preface all this with he puts it above big fish <laughs> i know i've talked a lot of shit but it's number one <laughs> i don't want my shtick to be that i just hate old movies or something like that that's not it i legitimately just did like the maltese falcon but with that said definitely the worst movie we've seen so far it's going on the bottom after touch of evil for me so it's gonna go big fish number one the killing touch of evil and then the maltese falcon for me so are you going to read off the entire list in every episode? Because that might get pretty <laughs> tedious. <laughs> Strap in, boys. <laughs> All right. What do you think, Mike? Um. So in going back to the list, I got Big Fish, number one, and then we have Maltese Falcon, number two. You know, uh, I think I'd agree with that. I think I put it as number two as well. Well, wow. I have the... Uh, I have the uh, the dead dad uh, favorite movie list. Apparently, he liked it so much that it has to be number two for me. Hmm. What? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think my dad's ever seen this movie, but I still rated it at number two. Jesus. June, what do you think? Um, tread lightly. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm, I think I'm gonna put this at number three. I I could see, you know, why it 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 was good, but I think because of how critically acclaimed it was, I was expecting a lot more when I went into it, and it just uh, didn't quite live up to the hype for me. 
So you uh, you put it ahead of the killing behind Touch of Evil? Yes. Uh, I, I think it's fair, understandable. Before we wrap this up, we'll give our, our final yes or no on this. Shane, do you recommend watching this movie? I I would say see it so that you can make your own judgment call on it and not just like follow like a sheep uh, with people rating movies. But uh, yeah, yeah, see it once. What? <laughs> I mean, based on our experience today, you may need to watch it more than once to understand what happened. Just see it once. Don't put yourself through it twice. June, what do you think? I think we have to take kind of a Citizen Kane approach to this. Like, you have to see this movie just because of the, the implications uh, it has on on, uh, on cinema as a whole. But I personally would not recommend it. Okay, fair. And what do you think, Mike? Absolutely not. Don't fucking watch this movie. Don't waste your time. <laughs> Wait, Jack, where did you rate this? I-, I rated it number two, and I would recommend watching it. I rated number two as well. Don't watch it. <laughs> Take my word for it. Don't watch this movie. I've done it for you. You're welcome. This is a very contentious, but I, I think I think before we devolve into a fight, uh, we should probably end this. So on that note, we'll catch you next week with <laughs> Sin City. Don't talk shit on it. Mike's dad loved this movie. <laughs> hey, fuck, I loved it. Don't watch it, though. <laughs> Film Noir. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. 